Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. The book of John chapter 10. In this book, we continue to see how Jesus is the good shepherd. Somebody might say, well, why is that important? Well, because we need care. You need care. I need care. We all turn to many different places to find that care. Sometimes we'll turn to a spouse. Sometimes we'll turn to our friends. Sometimes we'll turn to dear Abby. But I'm but ultimately, we need God's care. We need God's direction. It, it, it's, it's, it's His guiding hand in our life through circumstances when we belong to Him. Now, as we look at this, we find, as we studied last week in John chapter 10, that Jesus spoke in verse 13, the hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. He really has no deep commitment for you and me. This is something that Jesus Christ does, and he demonstrated it by not only guiding us, but also dying for us on the cross. Verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. In other words, you have familiarized yourself with the God's voice, and this is why this is important. You won't follow somebody else. In verse 15, he says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. You have somebody committed to make sure you're going to cross the line. And that's good, the finish line. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you for your wisdom and that you would remind us, first of all, that you're our good shepherd and that we need a shepherd. And Father, if you're not our shepherd, then who's protecting us? And so we ask you now that as we spend this time studying your word, that you would give us that wisdom that comes only from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get into a little bit new ground. Here we get into verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Now a lot of times people go, well, what does that mean? Okay, have you heard about Christmas time that we celebrate Christmas? And the Jewish people celebrate what's called Hanukkah. You've heard of that? Well, that's what this is. This is what it was, and what this is a picture of is in about 162 AD, Antithius Epiphanes, the Syrian, comes in to the temple in Jerusalem as they were losing the battle and sacrifices pigs on the altar in the temple, therefore, therefore defiling it. Well, we know that, that they pushed back, they, they got their temple back, and so Judas Maccabeus, and you, if you go into the Catholic Bible, though it's not scripture, it's historical, and it talks about the Maccabean period in that he went and built a new altar 
and rededicated the temple. And this rededication of the temple was called the Festival of Lights. And though not a high holy day, it was a good time. It was a good memory because they were once again rededicating the temple for the worship of God. So at Christmas time, when you see Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah, that's just simply talking about the rededication of the temple that was there in Jerusalem in about 162 AD. And uh, what's interesting about it is Jesus recognized it. It says, now the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Now, just to let you know, between verse 21 and verse 22, there's a time, they estimate of about three months of, of time that passed. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, I, I think this is interesting because Jesus was found there in the temple. So he honored, interestingly enough, Hanukkah or the festival of lights. Then the Jews surrounded him. You you always have trouble when you find that you're being surrounded, okay? The Jews surrounded Jesus and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, it was a little bit more than just telling us that you're the Christ. Literally, it was telling us, are you the king? Now, here's why. Because the Jews still wanted to kill Jesus. And by the way, friends, if you're found in Christ this morning, there are people that don't like you or your message. Jesus said, remember this. It isn't that they don't like you. It's they don't like me in you. Always remember that it's because of Christ that we have become, to some, the fragrance of life, and to others, the stench of death. Uh, Again, fragrance of life, you can be new in Christ, but also the stench of death, and that you have to die to your old Party ways, those things that are destroying your life. You know, a lot of times we don't realize how much we're being destroyed in our lives until Christ comes into our life. When we realize a lot of our behavior is very self-destructing. Now, God wants to deliver us from that, but you can't just psych yourself into it. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be like, we saw like a, a bunch of people at a 55 Chevy with a blown out muffler. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be a good person. You can do all that you want, but that's not going to make you a good person. It's a supernatural revelation of God where his wisdom replaces the foolish thoughts and thoughts, wisdom of the world. So God changes us. So they said, are you, why do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Or if you're the king, tell us. Well, if Jesus said, yes, I'm the king, well, they knew that the Romans would come and arrest Jesus as an insurrectionist and have him arrested and taken away and done away with. So notice how Jesus answers. And friends, I believe there is wisdom in our answers. You always need to listen. Somebody said one time, if you're a good listener... Somebody will tell you everything that's wrong with them in just a few minutes. And it's true. How are you doing? Well, I'm all right. Really, well, that would tell you that things are not. And if you learn to listen, and I shared this before, we have two ears, one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Now, here's why. Because when we listen, we can discern how to talk to a person. Now, this goes whether or not you're sharing the gospel or you're a salesman selling cars or shoes or anything else. Listen, and then you'll be able to respond to the need. Now, Jesus here says to them, I told you, 
and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. The same can be said for you. We're known by what we do. Now, friends, that's why the Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. We all are fruit inspectors. We all have that obligation by God to be a fruit inspector. What are the fruit? It isn't by their mistakes you will know them. It isn't by necessarily even their reputation you will know them. It's by the fruit in your life. Now you say, well, Mike, I don't have a lot of fruit in my life. Well, maybe it's time that we grow in Christ so that our lives will be fruitful. Why is that important? Because in eternity, that's what we're going to be rewarded for. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, I don't care if I get rewards when I get to heaven. I just want to get there by the skin of my teeth. Well, you may not care about rewards today in heaven. But you will be when you get there and you'll be glad you're getting some. I don't know all that that entails, but I do know the Bible said, Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no one can work. We need to be about our father's business and you will be rewarded for it. That means for all of us, we have to set aside the foolish things and embrace the things that are going to last. And one of the things that I do believe as you get a little older in life, whether you're 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 or beyond, you begin to realize how fast time goes. Now, I've shared this many times before, but it still gets me and it reminds me every time I see it. I, when I was probably 25, I didn't care much about a lot of things. But I noticed one day, and I remember where it hit me. I was at, this is weird, I was at Mr. Gas. And I rarely ever buy milk there. And I remember opening the refrigerator door and looking the expiration date on the milk. And I noticed that for the first time. I don't know if this relates with anybody here. If it ever smacks you in the head, you'll understand. And I realized this is going to go bad in a few days. And ever since then, you become very much aware of time passing. Now, some of you, you'll go over to your friend's house and you'll say, well, how are your little kids? And they'll go, and they come out from around the corner and here they're six foot tall. And you go, well, who's that? Well, that's Johnny. No, where's Johnny? The little Johnny. That's him. We don't realize how fast it all goes. And so I believe this is why The works that we do are so important, not for salvation. We never earn our way to heaven. God, just because he loves you, gives you salvation. Isn't that good to know? I don't got to get out there and earn it by doing a bunch of religious stuff, you know, wearing blue three-piece suits, you know. By the way, if you like suits, feel free to wear them here. I'm not a three-piece suit guy. I don't like them. I will wear them if you get married or you die. I promise that. (laughs) Other than that, don't think, don't please don't do that to me. And you know, by the way, all week long, our different jobs tell us what we have to be. If if you work for, you know, one of the delivery services, you have to, you know, wear your little uniform with your little name tag. That's what you have to be during that time. If you're, if you're, you know, working in a supermarket and you have to wear your little schmock, you know, in front, that's what they, but here you can be who you are. Now, if you really like wearing your smock, wear it. 
But if you don't like wearing it, if you don't like wearing your three-piece suit because your business or your firm requires you to wear one, then you just feel free being who you are in Jesus. And I don't care what you wear. Everybody must wear something. No shrieking in the church. But, but whoever you are in Christ, be who you are in Jesus. That is one of the great things that he does. By their fruit, you will know them. Jesus here says again, and look at this. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. That's why we know that Jesus is the authentic and also that he continues to do miracles and works in our lives. But you do not believe, verse 26, because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. Why is that? I have found, and you you realize this yourself too and you talk to people, if you don't have an eye for the things of God, you don't see the things of God. Isn't that weird? Uh, and, and you know, it's what you train your eye for. I did body and fender work for many, many years in, in, in uh, dealerships and several other places around town. And when you work on cars, you get used to seeing certain things. And I've had people bring cars to me and they said, Mike, I want to buy this car. Is it a good one? And I look it over and I see... I wouldn't buy this. Why? Well, because the rubber side hasn't always been down. It was a rollover. And they got in there and bonded it all up, and it looked pretty, but there was things that weren't right with it that initially may not be an issue, but maybe in a year or two could be. And I said, well, I think you'd be better off to get something else. Why is that? Well, because the more you're associated with what you do, the more trained your eye becomes. And this goes whether you're a seamstress, this goes whether you're, you're um, uh, doing body work, this goes whether you're, no matter what, carpentry work, whatever, you can spot good workmanship over bad workmanship because you've acquainted yourself with it. If you acquaint yourselves with the things of God, you see God's hand. Somebody else might go, wow, man, pure luck. No, that's the hand of God that kept you from dying, Mr. Unsaved Person, because God didn't want you to spend your eternity separated from Him. See, learning to see God is so important in our daily lives. And this is why the Bible says that when we become born again, we no longer walk in darkness. Because things that God does that are obvious when you're in darkness, you don't see. God wants us all to see His handiwork in our lives daily, daily. That reminds me, you know, this morning I went outside and I looked up at the clouds and I go, wow, God, you paint a beautiful sky. Seeing God's hand in everything we do is so important. The Pharisees, because of hardness of heart, deliberately became blind. They don't want to see what's really going on. And you'll find this oftentimes. So then who are we? I believe for a time in different people's lives, we become their hands, their feet, and their eyes. We help them see and navigate in a world that they're blind to. So this is part of what it is. This is why when you sit down, I got problems in my life, they'll say. You got problems. Okay, let's go through your problems. Well, did you ever think that maybe this problem could have been, well, yeah, it could have been caused by that. Well, did you ever think that maybe God would want to help you with that? Oh, I never thought about that. 
You become their eyes. You become, see, and that's what's so great about the family of God because we're here not to judge people, but we're here to help people. Big difference. It changes our purpose of living. So, what does he say? He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I like that. We have an eternity. We have a a security in Christ. Now, this gets back to that old question. Can a person lose their salvation? Well, first of all, friends, that is a secondary question. The primary question, and you always want to remember this, if somebody asks you, is this. If you died today, would you be at home in heaven? That's the real question. Not can you lose your salvation or leave your salvation or, or, you know, sell your salvation on eBay, whatever it might be. The question is, if you died today, would you be at home in heaven? Now, people go, yeah, I'd be at home in heaven. You know, we're going to have a big kegger in the back of my truck in heaven, man. You know, and we're just good. No, hold it. By the way, in dad's toolbox, when Jesus told Peter, you're going to be catching men, a good lure in dad's tackle box. Ask a person, what do you think heaven is? You don't even have to know the person. Hey, ever think about living? Yeah, you ever think about dying? Well, sometimes. What do you think heaven is? You'll get some of the weirdest answers you'll ever hear. Well, you know, I heard a story about my Aunt Emma that died and came back to life. And she says she was up there with my dog, Blue, and they were skipping over the posies over the hills. I'm serious. Check it out. I don't make this stuff up. Some people have a very sanitary heaven. Well, I was there, and there was God playing the grind giant pipe organ. What is heaven? Well, I'm glad the Bible tells us. It's to be with Jesus. I like that. Do you realize that, that God's going to show all of us what's beyond the stars someday? In fact, the Bible says throughout all of eternity... He's going to show us his greatness. I like that. It's not that we're just going to be faceless people in a mob around the throne of God. But the Bible says, Paul says, we'll be known as we're known. So you'll know who everybody is in heaven. I think that's really great. The second thing we always know is, will I be at home there? Now, here's the problem. Most people that aren't born again... They'll do whatever they can do to stay away from the family of God. Well, what do you, if, if, if heaven is the family of God, if you died, would you be at home in an everlasting church service? Probably not. Now, if they think that heaven is based off of some Hollywood TV series of you just go to heaven and do your own thing, they're going to be sorely disappointed. By the way, God has no unhappy people in heaven. The Bible says in heaven, God is worshiped forever. We are his bride. We are his body. We do everything that Jesus does. And we get to go out throughout all of eternity and see his great creation. What's beyond the stars? Someday you'll know. I like that. So the real question is, if you died today, would you be at home in heaven? 
The second question is, what do you think heaven is? Heaven is a place, the Bible tells us, if you look at Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 6 as an example, you'll get a picture of what heaven is. It's God's greatness. I mean, when we get there, you ever, you, have you ever like gone to the fireworks and, and they start shooting fireworks off and it's getting towards the end of the show and they start blowing off a couple more in a row and you go, is this the finale? Is this the finale? Is this the finale? And finally, when the whole sky lights up, you go, no, that's the finale. That is going to be nothing, I believe, compared to what we're going to see in heaven. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard what is, rec- what is in store for those who love God. Now think about that for a minute. Whatever you've ever seen in your life, it's going to be far greater than that. So understanding then that God has, and Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you in John 14. And I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you'll be also. God made everything we see in six days. Imagine eternity. God's been working on that for 2,000 years. It's going to be pretty, pretty far out. We don't want to miss that. Um, Somebody said one time, uh, "Don't don't miss heaven for the world. That's really true. And so Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. That's why we know. That's why when we pray. That's why when you read the Bible, you acquaint yourself with the Spirit of God, His voice. So then, if you get some weird thought, you can recognize that isn't my Father's voice. But then at the same time, you can hear your Father's voice. The passing of time, because it's so quick. You know, the, Paul says it's like a, a, a vapor or smoke. We're here for a short time when we're gone. How important it is that we do the best we can for our King. And then Jesus says, you're in me. You're in, you know, I don't think one Christian who loves God ever needs to worry about whether or not you're going to go to heaven or not. You are. Now, why do we go to heaven? Because I'm good. Well, that's true. But what makes us good? God makes us good. I will never be good in myself. The Bible says, as Paul said, as sinners, I am chief. But that's not an excuse to sin. We want to be about our father's business. We want to do that. We don't have to worry about that. Yes, now you'll say, but Mike, what, what, is it, what does it say in, in Revelation 2 and 3 about Jesus calling the churches to repent? Or Paul writing these letters uh, to the church at Corinth? And wh- what about the book of Jude, that how God saved the entire group of people out of the land of Egypt and let them all die in the wilderness? Yeah, I I believe that if you don't want to go to heaven, God's not going to make anybody go there that don't want to go. And when it says here, uh, let's look at this real quick. I will give them eternal life, verse 28, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. The word here is arpazo, which means by force. No one is ever going to tear you by force out of the hand of God. Now, if you want to leave, that's something else. And I think there's pretty good ex- examples through the Bible of people who walked with God and then, and then left. But that should never be an issue for any of us as Christians because, again, we love God. Now, verse 30. I and my Father are one. Wow. You ever want to know what the Father was like? You know, you know the whole Old Testament was that where they were saying, boy, you know, if we could just reach out and see what God was like, that'd be really great. So Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And for the first time since the Garden of Eden, man could reach out and see God again. 
Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Now that's not saying that Jesus is the Father. He's not saying that. But as we understand the Trinity, and if we go back to even Genesis uh, 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The word for God there is the word gods. It's weird. It's the word Elohim. And what that means is that there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in fact, as you read on there in Genesis, it says, let us make man in our image. God's a triune being. You have a Father, you have a Son, you have a Holy Spirit. You, we have a body, we have a mind, and we have a spirit. We're a triune being as well. And it's a wonderful thing when everything agrees. It's a bad thing when everything doesn't. Thank you for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse, through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.